0: Welcome to the House of Strauss. Yeah, go for it. Stars hang with stars. Winners hang with winners. à
1: la plage, je Je te promets que je resterai sage. Mais tu
0: ne ça. Welcome to the House of Strauss, we are joined by Kevin O'Connor, NBA writer and podcaster at The Ringer. How you doing? I'm
1: doing excellent today, Ethan. How about yourself?
0: Well, I'm doing excellent because we have you on. That's number one. Although I, I was on the fence, Kevin. Uh, I was on the fence about having you on. And then Elon Musk compelled me to do it. He compelled me <laughs> to do it. He's the most powerful, richest man in the world. He had that kind of sway, and you know that's that's just a teaser, folks. It's a teaser. That's not what's going to dominate the podcast conversation. Uh, but that's just if you know, you know, and you know maybe they'll be at the end a little bit. Uh, I I'll tell you what I am right now, Kevin. Is I'm I'm blown away by you. I'm blown away. I I, I go on the internet today. I look at the Ringers content. I see you've got thirty prospects from 2024 and I just look at it and I shake my head. I'm aware that you do this and yet it, it blows me away. I don't think everybody, I don't think everybody understands that it's difficult to cover the league generally as you do, you know, you've got to have an idea of what's going on with every team and you do. And then to combine that with being a draft guy, as you have, I think since in uh, since your inception as a basketball pundit, I mean, what the hell, man? Do you sleep? I mean, how do you how do you have time for this? That's my oh, first question for you. <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, o- I think over the years, I've gotten better at figuring out the rhythm of the year with the NBA <laughs> calendar. Um, you know, back in 2014, 15 and 16, before I was with the ringer doing the draft guides, I sold those independently and, you know, they were what? And I actually got me noticed with the ringer um, because they liked my draft stuff and I liked my approach to it. But I think with the ringer, like after going from covering just the Celtics to then all 30 teams and everything else with the NBA, I definitely had a harder time. Like I think, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, those years balancing, whoa, how am I covering all of these Mm. teams with everything with the draft? And I think over the course of time for me, it's become about like, The ebbs and flows of the NBA season, when there's those little dips, that's when you're investing more of your time into college basketball or international and G League. And right now, it's dead time. It's July. It's Mm. August. There's nothing really going on in the NBA at this moment. At this moment, so I'm getting ahead more than I ever have at looking looking at next year's draft class, and um, it's a lot of fun. I, I think that's part of it more than anything else. Ethan is like, I just I like doing it. I've been. I've been doing draft stuff since I was a little kid, whether it was NBA or NFL draft. I like looking at the players that are coming into the league. So it's 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 enjoyable to do. And that makes it easier in that sense, even though it is time consuming.
0: Yeah, I, I just wonder about your approach. How systematized is it? Um, what is what is your day look like in season and what does your day look like right now?
1: Uh, In season every day is different. Um, You know, this past season, I like starting in April, I had my TV show with beyond the arc for FanDuel TV uh, mismatched twice a week and then an NBA draft show that I did with J Kyle man with the ringer once a week. So I had, you know, four pods and uh, then writing and then draft stuff. Um, And all that and plus like producing videos and all that. So like I think during the playoffs, it's like I don't have a lot of time to see friends and all that. Um, I'm like all in for, you know, doing everything that is required of me over the course of the week. But during the regular season itself, it's definitely different. Um, I think being able to set your own hours and be flexible every day is different. Ultimately, I I try to take care of, you know, spending, you know, an hour or 90 minutes, sometimes longer, sometimes less on, you know, looking at a prospect or at NBA draft, multiple NBA draft prospects each day over the course of the season. So you're staying tuned in there. And I think, you know, when it comes to watching games at the NBA, that varies again over certain times of the year. Sometimes you're watching games live at night. Um, sometimes you're not, sometimes you're going out to dinner with your friends or I'm going out with my mom and, you know, and then in the morning I'm catching up on the, the league pass where you can, or synergy where you can watch a full two and a half hour mm. game in 40 minutes. Um, so I think it's, I've kind of developed those little tricks for myself that allow me to stay plugged in with, to everything over the course of the season. But the toughest part is definitely the playoffs. Um, cause that's when draft, you know, that's when the people actually care about the draft is during March Madness and then beyond and the lead up to June. Um, But I don't know. I love it. Like those three, four months of the year are some of the most fun that I have throughout the course of the season. Well, loving it is, is very key. I I could never really
0: do the morning thing. I would always tell myself that I would do it. Um, And I found it difficult to do it. It's almost like the games are on at the same time. Your best bet of getting some opinions on what's happening is to toggle back between it all. Um, I know Zach Lowe would do the morning thing if memory yeah. serves. So, he likes
1: watches the games in the morning. I remember him saying like, he doesn't do it at night anymore.
0: Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I just, I, you know, that works logically and it, it makes so much sense and it's a great way to optimize, but there's something about that that I find hard to wrap my head around. Uh, it's almost like uh the game's age. The car has been driven off the lot. And my interest <laughs> in it because it has already happened and I'm not watching it live is completely crashed.
1: No, I mean, that's part of it. Like sometimes, like sometimes if I'm not watching a game at night um, and you know, the result in the morning, it takes the, the excitement and the unknown around uh, out of the game. And that's part of the personal enjoyment and watching basketball. However, I do think you still get that satisfaction um, from watching games through a different perspective. And a lot of the stuff that I do for the ringer is analysis. And so sometimes it's about, well, I'm going to watch every single pick and roll possession from, you know, De'Aaron Fox over the past week and catch up on some Kings trends. And I can do that through second spectrum or through synergy. And there's satisfaction in that way. It's almost like watching full games is still pivotal to what you do. Like when you watch a full game, that's when you get to absorb the entire team and the entire player in ways that you can't where you're just watching clips however there are advantages to doing it that way too and I think for me like covering the entire league finding that balance especially in the early years with the ringer I I I think it's not like I don't think I feel like I did a good job I was working hard but I think I've gotten better at that balance over the years every single season realizing like back my first year living in LA I moved to LA in 2018 and my first full season in LA was 1819 and I was I had I bought a second monitor I I was watching multiple games at once and I thought it was my worst season. I mm. struggled that year. I was behind on trends. Um I thought I really struggled that like at the beginning of that season until it clicked I was like I'm watching too many games live. I like I can't mm. be watching 2 3 games at once live at night. Um, and I think that was a lesson learned for me when it comes to like finding that right balance, focusing, you know, intently on one game at night and then in the morning or in the afternoon, whatever you want to carve out the time, that's when you're diving into those games where you watch a full second half, or you're watching the minutes of the the rookie who's getting opportunity. You can watch his full 15 minutes that he got. So it's about being more selective with what you choose and also kind of sticking to, You know, whether it's a rough, uh, rough calendar where you're checking off teams or whether it's actual schedule you set for yourself for the week to come. um, You know, just trying to be sure that you're staying in tune with the the teams that you're watching and making sure, like on my end, also that you're talking about those teams for your podcast because you want to, you know, please all your listeners and don't want to ignore any team.
0: I mean, it's I think you made a great self-correction there because you can overload your perception. I mean, everybody knows this intuitively, but there have been. Studies on it. There's some video clip where a guy in a in a gorilla suit, you know, walks oh, yeah. in between a bunch of people <laughs> and you're asked if you notice it happening. Um, I once wrote an article about how in a 1993 playoff game seven between the Sonics and the Rockets. Uh, there was a final play where a Rockets player Winston Garland just walked onto the floor uh, and they had six guys on the floor when Hakeem had the ball and nobody noticed it in real time because (laughs) everybody was just so overloaded. There was a sensory overload of what was happening. Now, some people, for whatever reason, have an insane capacity to absorb all of that stimuli and, you know, suss out signal amid the noise. I think Nate Duncan is the best I've ever met in the industry at that. It's just completely remarkable uh, what he's able to divine, just in real time within the chaos, which is, I think, partially why Nate doesn't really do the morning thing. Nate tends to just do the toggle thing that you're talking about, but that's that's what he has the capacity for. And I think, you know, one half you have to be honest with yourself and go look, I, I, I can't do it the way that guy does it. And that doesn't make my observations valueless. I just have to go about it in a different manner um, and make sure I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being the best that I can be and uh, take take advantage of what my comparative advantage is, as opposed to trying to be one of the precogs and minority report and just somehow absorbing everything all at once as it's happening and maybe even before it happens.
1: true. I mean, you have to, regardless of what you do in life, you have to find what works best for you and the way your mind works, whether it's playing guitar and you have the hands to go with thumb over the neck or thumb behind the fretboard, or whether you're writing and you like to write straight through and then edit, or you kind of edit as you go. I think regardless of what you're doing in life, you have to find the best techniques that work for you and you can Take in, you know, like you said, Nate Duncan watches games at night. And he can watch multiple games, or you know, like Rob Perez, worldwide wob, like on Twitter, yeah. he has like nine screens it's on crazy. at once, and he's able to, you know, somehow have sound on for all of them. I, I believe he said that on your show, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I can't do that, but that, no. that's what works for him. So, I mean, (laughs) for everybody, it's different and everybody has their different priorities covering the NBA. And um, I feel like I've landed on something that works really well for me. And I'm happy with the rhythm that I'm in um, covering the game and, and, you know, maybe tweaking in the years to come, depending on what comes in life.
0: Yeah, well, I would agree with you on that. Now, what I try to avoid, Kevin, is asking people about the pushback they get, because most people, they get neurotic. I certainly would if I was on a podcast and somebody asked me about that. You start thinking about the way you're thought of and then really it just gets hard for a lot of people to move. But I feel almost like you've got a superpower or you've got an especially thick skin. That's what I've absorbed. I'll, I'll give an example You know, in the context of um, draft analysis, okay? So during the pandemic, I had nothing else to do. So I tried... To, I tried to do the thing of becoming a draft guy. I tried. Oh, boy, did I try. And I, one of the guys I really liked was a guy you really liked, and that was one Killian Hayes. And I even remember. <laughs> oh, Killian. <laughs> oh, Killian. And I even remember joking with Steve Kerr. It's the name drop, but whatever. I was like, you know, he's either going to be great or he's going to be the French Cameron Payne. And that got...
1: <laughs> You're and right. Then Cameron Payne,
0: and then, then Cameron Payne got way better. Then maybe even that's uh, not... <laughs> no, you almost wish you could be the, the French Cameron Payne. Um, if it was, if Kerr would ask me uh, before he started, like, you know, any updates on the French Cameron Payne, you know, <laughs> I need another French Cameron Payne article. Uh, so anyway... Killian Hayes, uh, it does not go well for him. Uh, He has yet to validate uh, that sort of optimism. You still hold some stock in Killian. Maybe you've got a foot on the island, but the way I responded to that whole thing and my draft picks in general was to go, I suck. I suck at this. I'm crazy.